HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you from Heritage Radio Network. Today is Monday, February 13th. I'm your host, Jacqueline Raposo, and once again, Ben and I are not live in the studio. His show out in Portland, Oregon got extended, and so he is still out there working for one more week, and I am still hibernating and doing pretty nerdy writer things like reading a lot of Thoreau and this month practicing uh, Zero Waste for my My Year of Abstinence project. Uh, so if you want to check us out in real time, you can catch me at myyearofabstinence.com and uh, us both on our social media channel that's at Love Bites Radio. So we are still Instagramming and tweeting and all that kind of stuff away. But today, I'm very excited because this is the very first time that I am cutting our show by myself. So the past five weeks, we've brought you our Power Couple series, which we recorded both together and uh, some by myself back in December and January with couples whose relationships we admire. I had the idea for this series because way back in 2010, I was working at the Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park as an actor, and I met two different couples whose marriages I really respected. And as I got to know them, both professionally and personally, I recognized that they had a couple of separate traits that sort of overlapped. 
one couple was a director and a writer, the other was a director and an actor. So they both worked within the same field, but in different positions. Neither couple had children, which for me, I don't want children, uh, had some sort of signifiers of what my future could look like. They both had extensively traveled for work. So I started over the years as I got to know them to ask them questions about what their lives had been like. And then when Ben and I were pondering what kind of stories we could record for his absence, I wanted to know how that happened for couples in the hospitality field. It's a very dynamic and physical and trying industry. And the more work I've done in it, the more I've met couples who battle it out together. And I see the triumphs they have because they work together, but also the struggles that they have. And they seem to both be closer because of them, but also have a lot more quirks. So that's what we've done with this series. So today, in celebration of Valentine's Day, we're going to bring you sort of, or I'm going to bring you, five of my favorite takeaways with a little bit of personal why. First up, we have Stacy and Steve. Stacy Adamando is the test kitchen director at Saver Magazine and a food writer, and Steve Graff is the co-owner of Banshee Wines out in California. They live in Brooklyn. And so we asked all of our couples variations of the same questions, basically. Same structure for all five shows. So here is one of the questions we asked all five couples sort of early on in the show. And I love this answer because I think especially for people in our 30s, as Stacy, Steve, Ben, and I are, there's sort of this lingering thing about singleton, singleton dumb, singledom, I never get that word right, where we worry about meeting that special person. We worry about meeting the person, but we worry about meeting that special person. And so Stacy and Steve's story, just take a listen. It's pretty special. I'm going to ask you a hard question because I feel like this is a very hard thing for people to define. But what did falling in love feel like to you? If you could define the process of falling in love, especially because you did have a country between you for part of it. It was exciting and scary at the same time. It was exciting because for me, it kind of, this felt different from any any other person I had felt for. And also we had to kind of overcome this cross-country thing, and that's not super easy. And I think when you know it's kind of right, it's more scary because more is at stake. Your heart's mm-hmm. more in it. You sort of know, like, everything's about to change, and you're not sure, you know, it's the the excitement wins, and you follow the excitement, and, like, you know, they say, like, life opens a door, and you walk through it, and it's sort of like, we just kept doing that. We just kept saying, like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and move to California now. You know, it just all seemed like, how could this even be real? I mean, how could this random... I think, you know, we even joked, like, three days ago, like, can you believe we actually got married from meeting in Oregon? Like, how did that happen? You know, so we just, we decided to say yes to the feelings that we were feeling instead of, you know, the fear and the strangeness of it all. And I think everybody around us saw that that was true. And they were all like, you got to do it. Like, you got to go out there because this is, this is totally real. You know, this is like wonderful. How did you figure out that it was real? Because I feel like a lot of people, that would be the hard part. Did you have a discussion about that? Like how did, especially when I... Well, so right after we met in Oregon, I had a trip already planned to New York 
uh, about a month or two later. And so we had kind of tentatively made plans to hang out when I was going to be in New York. And so we ended up hanging out with two of my best friends and we had a great night. In a, in a way, like having that plan already to see her after that weekend was kind of like, yeah, it helped us not have to do the awkward, like, do you want to see each other again? Yeah. We were sort of like, could, oh, great, you're going to be there in a month? Great, I'll just see you again. You know, we didn't put anything on it. It wasn't like, oh, my God, and maybe we'll be dating. You know, it just sort of felt like, great, well, this doesn't have to end, and I'll just see you next time, you know. I really, like, I know people say this all the time, but I really can say it, and I knew it then, and I can definitely agree looking back, that when I walked into the restaurant that night and saw Steve stand up from the table, I was like this is the guy like everything in me just completely relaxed and felt like this is my person. Like it was just so there's something about him that I just was like, I know that this is going to be really frighteningly special, you know? And actually like <laughs> that night, um, his friend had had a bunch of cocktails and knows him better than anyone in the world. And basically at the end of our dinner, he said, why do I have a feeling I'm going to be saying the best man speech at your wedding? And people always cringe when they hear that. Like, they're like, Oh my God, his friend said that. Were you guys so embarrassed? And we kind of just looked at each other at that point. We kind of like, knew. We were yeah, just like, yeah, you actually might be right. Like, I know. No, 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 no. It's like that's my heart like feeling good things. That's not me cringing in a bad way. That's me like, ah, I'm going to like melt. All right, before but I to melt. answer your question real quick. Okay. Also, yes. and goes back to Stacy's point, which is Stacy felt like home almost from the beginning to me. And that like just the ease that I was able to to be with her was kind of a signal to me that that it was special. Doesn't that just melt your heart? That entire conversation with Stacy and Steve really made me melt. So Stacy and Steve have been married for, I think, three years now. And next up, we have Joe and Jill DeBias. They've been together for 12 years and married for eight. They are the co-owners of Joe and Mrs. Doe Restaurant on First Street uh, between First and Second Avenues here in New York City. And I'd worked with Joe and Jill before as a writer, but I was really excited to have them come in and speak with us because they were brutally, wonderfully honest in our first interview about overcoming obstacles as restaurateurs, as people who were learning how to use things like social media and press and with Jill, somebody who had never been in the industry compared to Joe, who's the chef and sort of had worked his way up in the field, just learning how to sort of navigate through it and really learning from their mistakes and messing up. And so I really wanted to pick their brains about how they did that in their relationship. And what's unique about Joe and Jill is their restaurant is pretty small. It's definitely, as they say, a mom and pop restaurant, and they are the only investors in it. And so what you're about to hear is the conflict part of working with your spouse. Because obviously we treat coworkers differently than we treat loved ones, and we treat bosses and employees differently than we would treat loved ones. So what happens when those lines blur and you have a problem with your coworker or your boss or your employee, and they happen to be someone that you really love? Obviously, it has to be worth it for Joe and Jill because they're 12 years into their relationship and they own their restaurant. And I do think that this is the kind of relationship, meaning working with your partner, that I would benefit from. But what are the realities of those conflicts? How do you get through them? 
And really, what's the purpose? What's the benefit? What do they get out of it that couples that don't work together don't get out of it? You know, how do you work together? Well, in my mind, it's like, why wouldn't we work together? Because I would barely ever see her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's so true. it was not con- not only convenient that we fell into the same business together, but sort of like um, super beneficial for both of us because we're we're smart enough to to learn from our mistakes, and we haven't repeated our mistakes, thank God. And when it comes to our our relationship or our business, well, you I'm going to circle you back to Ben's question though. Like, what are some of those hard things? What are some of the mistakes? Like, what gets you angry Un- at each other? I mean, under- because you work together. I mean, underestimating the amount of time you actually are going to spend together, you know, and, and being able to tolerate things that in most relationships, you know, maybe someone would just explode and be like, oh, I'm going to the bar or whatever. You can't escape from the other person in a way now. So you have to learn even more coping skills in order to deal with things that maybe you wouldn't want to deal with before. You wouldn't have to because they would go to work for eight hours. You'd go to work for 10 hours and you'd see each other for an hour or two before bed. That's not really the relationship we've cultivated, though. Now we have open, conscious conversations about how to differentiate between work Mm-hmm. And not work. And that, you know, when we were joking before about Karen, like, you know, there's a junction. You know, I, I always call it the Starbucks junction as we're walking the work across town. We pass Broadway and then, you know, work Karen comes in and Jill's gone. Yep. You know, and then that happens smart. like on the on the walk. I like it's just like a natural thing. I start going through the list of things we have to do that day and like his schedule and like Joe again, like I said, I was walking around like and just my life is happening around me. Well, Joe kind of is like that now, too, because I plan his entire life. Okay, <laughs> So like I'm his publicist. I'm you know, I'm, I'm I'm his secretary. I answer his emails like the other day. Someone was saying like they they didn't have their husband's email on their phone. I was like, you don't have your husband's email on your phone. Like, <laughs> like I thought that that was a regular thing thing like i just and i think you know that that's one thing that we take for granted now that a lot of relationships don't have is like you know we are genuinely open and honest with each other it's not because we uh feel an obligation or anything like that i I just think that there is no other way you know and there is especially when we're doing business together too what am i supposed to hide money from her like hide you know it just doesn't make any sense to me like how we couldn't share a bank account how we couldn't share our life and our bed and so wait do we answer the original question i'm sorry (laughs) Are you are you looking for like one specific incident no, that would like right. set we have us, other, we have set us off? About. Ben, go ahead. You look like you have a question. Yeah. Well, I guess my question does pertain a little bit to what you were just talking about, which is like, how does when you are with Karen, but you want to talk to Jill, like how does that play out? And like, how do you navigate those waters? I think through just uh, general experience, uh, unfortunately, like we've had to have some fights, you know, we've had a lot of you know, pretty serious fights, you know, we, we're, we're not without emotion. Two of us run very high on it, you know, and then, uh, we're also very high on opinion. So, uh, Couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to, you know, I, I, I think the best way to answer it is just, you, you have to at some point humble yourself to the idea that you're not always right. And I think that was definitely a challenge for me. And I don't know if it happened until I was 32 years old and, you know, that was only five years ago. So, uh, she's only had an adult in her relationship with, (laughs) for, for five of the 12 years, you know, it, it really is, you have to grow up and you have to, um, Joe, Joe has gotten a lot better at like understanding when to like back off and me the same with like, between Jill and Karen. (laughs) Um, And now I can recognize myself when I'm becoming Karen and when I need to just like chill out like it's just eggs. So we're coming to a dividing line with our couples now. Stacy and Steve and Jill and Joe. 
Well, other than the fact that the rest of our couples don't have the delightful alliteration in their couple names, um, the rest of our couples have children, and Stacy and Steve and Jill and Joe do not yet have children. Our next couple in the line are Andrew and Kristen Wood of Russet Restaurant in Philadelphia. Andrew is the savory chef. Kristen is the pastry chef. They have two children. And while I do not personally foresee children in my future, once again, the idea of sort of enveloping family and relationship and work is an interesting one, and especially for people in hospitality or in creative fields in general where you don't have a nine-to-five type of business. It seems to make just a little bit more sense to sort of have an all-encompassing type of lifestyle where your family and your romance and your work just sort of ebb and flow. And so with Andrew and Kristen, it seems to not only make sense, but to sort of strengthen their relationship together. And what I admire particularly about what you're going to hear is how they admire that within their relationship and how it sort of seemed like something that they didn't need to talk out. And this is a big part of the rest of their interview as well, that they didn't need to have discussions about what their restaurant was going to be because by the time they opened their restaurant, they'd had that discussion so many times. And they haven't had to have many discussions about their co-management style because they just know inherently how to manage their restaurant together because of many conversations they'd had over the course of their careers side by side. So have a listen. It speaks to a passion that you guys share about your work. And I wonder what you guys do, if anything, to like shut work out. How do you escape and just be a couple? Do we do we do that? We do more family things. We've got two sons, <laughs> so we do go to we've got a lot of museums and we go you know, we take the kids to the science museum and yeah, I'd say. I mean, we're it's it really is kind of all encompassing because the I mean the children come with us to work very frequently and when we were planning everything, we were trying not to have that many barriers in our life. We wanted to kind of have a, a single life, not like a work life and a home life and a life as a parent. We just wanted to have a life, you know, that involved the people that we cared about and the things that we cared about. You know, and there's trade-offs for that, but I, I think for the most part, we really found what we wanted. You know, we deal with the farmers that we want to work with, and we serve the food that we're really passionate about. I think we've kind of found a medium where we really spend the maximum amount of time, of time with each other, both as a family and as, as a couple, but it always seems to be under that umbrella of the restaurant organization. So a big conflict for a lot of people in your position is the family dynamic. How do you feel having Russet together made it possible for you to start a family? Well, I mean, it's it's challenging, you know, it's kind of pulled in a lot of directions all at once. You know, we try to be fluid about our roles, too. I think for it to work, we have to be partners on kind of every level. We try to be equal partners as parents. We try to be equal partners in business. We try to be equal partners creatively. I, You know, and to be honest with you, I don't know how other people how other people figure it out. We just kind of did our best, you know. And it's a lot easier because we own the business and we can bring our kids to work with us, which we we do quite a bit. And the nine-year-old is great. He's better than a lot of our prep (laughs) cooks. Well, maybe not the ones we have right now. Yeah, the ones we have now are good, but yeah. But in in recent history, he's been better. I think he's worked every station. Yeah, he's done a lot. He busses tables, washes dishes. We don't 
be, we don't hold him beholden to do these things. We don't put him on the schedule or anything. <laughs> yeah, you know, when he's there, uh, he, he wants to be helpful. He'd rather he'd rather be at work helping out than have a babysitter mm-hmm. or be away from us. Well, Kristen, how did your role change when you started having children? Not your role, but how did your schedule or how did your focus change, you know, when your body was changing and you sort of were having this other thing to focus on while you were also having to be on your feet? And also, I mean, with pastry, this is a generalization, but it's a very methodical, very, yeah. like, you need to be able to plan your schedule with pastry yeah. and if something happens in your body that's not feeling good it throws off the schedule so yeah. how do, what do you remember especially i know it's nine years ago now but what do you remember about transitioning during this period of your life um well it was it was difficult actually when i was when i was pregnant with our first son we were helping them open another restaurant i didn't work the first few months which was fortunate because i end up um, end up losing a lot of weight in the beginning and i can't eat anything but it's very difficult for me because i have super sensitive smell and yeah, Being in a kitchen when yeah. you have a super sensitive smell is probably not the yeah, ideal yes, place. Yeah. It was it was difficult, and then it, the second I mean, my son now is sixteen months old, second son, and um, that was that was even harder because I was I was eight years older, and uh, you were tough as nails. I, I, I think it bears saying that uh, with our first son, he worked up until what ten days before he was born. Three days. Three well, days. <laughs> no. Three was, days before. Yeah, ten days uh, before he, he was born. She, she was working. I mean, she had a, she had a, a rolling chair. That she would push around the pastry station and she wouldn't quit and she never quits. And it's just, it was the same thing with our second son. You know, he, um, he, she worked and worked and she wanted to work and yeah, she's just, she's tough. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. It's, you know, I, 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 it's probably controversial to be, to be proud of it, but I I am always proud of the good job that you do. And, And even, even in relatively trying circumstances, how, uh, how you pull through. Now, in a second, we are going to take a commercial break. And during our Power Couple series, now is at the point in the show where we would play the oldlywed game. We did not play the newlywed game because none of our couples were newlyweds. We played the oldlywed game. Before the show, we would have our couples answer questions about their spouse and then live on the air. Well, not live on the air because none of the shows were live on the air. But then on the show, they would answer the questions questions about their spouse and go head to head to see who knew more. So if you want to find out uh, which spouse knew more about their partner or to hear their shows in full, all five shows were very special for very different reasons. This is one of my favorite series and five shows that we have done in our podcast in its entirety. Please check us out at heritageradionetwork.org. All of our shows are here, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher. And also, while you're on heritageradionetwork.org, please throw some money our way. Our small nonprofit team handles 30-plus shows a week, especially right now. It is very, very important to support nonprofit member-supported radio, and we really love you for it. So sit back, listen to some cool music, and Victor and David are are going to tell you some more about our sponsors right now. Cheers. Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? 
For me, I think cheese curds, delicious fresh cheese curds, or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chirchois, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com, and as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. And we are back with our special Valentine's Day episode of Love Bites Radio here at Heritage Radio Network. And I am very excited for our next couple because as I say on our full episode with them, I've interviewed hundreds of chefs in my work as a food writer but very few of them do I call personal friends. And Floyd and Barca Cardoz of Palwala Restaurant here in New York City are definitely friends. I got to know Barca when I flew with Floyd to a food festival in Mexico a few years ago, and Barca was coming as well. Floyd had gotten me basically onto this trip as a press member. And just getting that extra time in airports together and at food events together and and getting to know the beautiful person that she is and seeing their partnership and their marriage and then spending time with them subsequently at their own family table and getting to know their two children, seeing them build their restaurant, Pawala, together. I really admire the longevity of their 25-year marriage. And what you're not going to hear in this clip is that their marriage is based on friendship. They met in India in culinary school and became friends and became very close friends. And then eight years later ran into each other when they had both emigrated to the United States. And their friendship and this trust that they had in each other, they decided to risk to explore romance. And so the first half of our show, we talked a lot about how their relationship has always been grounded in friendship, which again is something that I hope to emulate in a future relationship. I think especially as you get older, you appreciate that more in comparison to fireworks and passion, which definitely is a 20-something you know, theater performer and artist I definitely, you know, wanted passion and fireworks and drama. And now at 35 years old, appreciate drama and passion and fireworks, but also more so the idea of trust and stability and friendship and long-term investment. And I think Floyd and Barca are a testament to the longevity of a marriage based on friendship. So the last question that we asked all of our couples or what bit of advice would you give to a couple at the beginning of their relationship who are working together in the same field? And so this is what Floyd and Barca have to share with us. So with opening Pawala, you did so much of the work together. What were either, you can take this any direction you'd like, what were either some greater challenges that opening this restaurant placed upon your relationship or some unexpected triumph, something that you feel brought you closer together by opening your first solo venture? 
what I, I really love is like I, I, I told Barca this a few weeks ago. I said, you've got to be my chief people officer because people absolutely love you. And people are seeing what I see in her because she has this, this character of bringing the warmth out of people and, and embracing them mentally when they, you, know, you feel safe with her. So for me, that is the best part of it. She, she's, I guess she, she can speak for herself, but I'm sure she realizes that I'm so fixed in certain things in the kitchen and in the restaurant that sometimes she gets frustrated with that. My biggest thing that's come out of this is, and always had a lot of respect for what Floyd does, but actually being in the restaurant with him pretty much 24-7, I think my respect level has gone up a hundredfold. I used to take a lot of things for granted and get upset about a lot of things because I was sitting at home and had no idea what goes on. But now that I'm there and I watch every step of the way that it's it's a challenge, whether it's a small one or a big one, I think it's changed my mindset of who he is and what he does. Knowing, yes, you know, it's always like when it's your home, you take it for granted. And I'm learning not to take it for granted anymore because I see what it entails and how he gives 110% every day. And I'm physically there to watch it. So there's a lot more respect. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that in my head was always there, but I think it's increased tremendously. You've been married for 25 years Mm -hmm. and you've seen each other through four or five restaurants at this point. Uh, what, What would be your best piece of advice for young couples making the risk as you did to jump into marriage and working together for the rest of their lives? Communicate. What does that mean to you? Um, To me, it's more about feelings, expressing your feelings, not taking things for granted, a lot of mutual respect, respecting what the other one brings to the table, not just feeling that it's all about me. It's a team. Never forgetting that it's a goal or a vision that you've decided or you've envisioned for yourself together. So always have a lot of communication and respect. And I think there's always road bumps, no matter what you do in life, whether it's a business or just relationship. But I think talking about it and not looking for the easy way out. We've been through a lot. But the good thing that kept us together was realizing that there is no one else coming to save us. We have to save ourselves, and we made the effort to make it work. I'd say uh, the biggest thing that will make you successful in your professional life as well as your personal life is having someone who is supportive of what you do because very often we as chefs find or restaurateurs find someone who's not fully vested in our lifestyle. You know, you leave and you're gone the whole day and you come back at 11 when they're sleeping. If you're not vested with me in what I'm doing or supportive of my dreams, I've seen more marriages with restaurateurs go by because the husband or the wife didn't support the other one and didn't feel that it was what they wanted them to do. Uh, I'm lucky that Barca does. Finally, to our last couple. Roseanne Gold and Michael Whiteman. And I titled this episode, We Bow Down to Roseanne Gold and Michael Whiteman, because they are royalty in the hospitality fields, uh, especially for the work within the world that they met, which was the recreation of the windows of the world and the rainbow room down in one World Trade Center back in the 70s. And that's where their romance started. And so... A lot of the beginning of our conversation was about the hardships of Roseanne joining this sort of group of restaurateurs, these three men, 
back in the 70s when this was a very different time in New York City, especially for women in the field. They've done so much work. And again, they have grown together as a couple and reinvested in each other. And so what I love about their relationship is this evolution and this sort of constant exploration. And I think what you're going to hear in this clip is a bit of admiration in each other for that as well. So this is Roseanne Gold and Michael Whiteman. So looking, and this is a very large question because of all we've discussed and because of the longevity of your relationship, but for a couple in the early stages of their courtship, what is a bit of advice you could give today as far as just, you know, keep this in mind that you'd want some, you know, you'd want a young couple to know as they're figuring this out? I think uh, from the sort of female part of this, but, you know, that's not as important. Once upon a time, I think I had a very romantic notion of when you fall in love with someone, you become one. And I am so sure that is not the answer anymore, that I think it's fine to be one of a very close pair, whether romantically or if you're working together. But it is essential to have your own identity and um, not to kind of lose yourself in that um you know, coming coming together, because two is actually much bigger than one in terms of what you can accomplish, and uh, it's just exponentially better, and then you don't run the risk of losing yourself, is really did happen to me. So, and I think delineating responsibilities, talents, skill sets, and this idea of becoming or being the same person, uh, be your own person, and then you can really have a much more valuable experience. I need to add to what Roseanne said rather than speaking for myself. In addition to all of the work that we've done together and the food work that Roseanne has done, Roseanne's gone on and reinvented herself twice, three times. So uh, she became a four times James Beard award-winning cookbook author. And then she became uh, deeply immersed in end-of-life care, which she's still doing. And uh, then she got a Master of Fine Arts in Poetry. So uh, the, uh, the questions that you asked us at the beginning, I think the better of the relationships uh, are those that don't get the answers correct. Uh, mm. Because uh, it's the same thing as if we were together and uh, spent our time finishing each other's sentences. Mm. Uh, once you do that, you lose your individuality. Mm. So to the extent that we answered the questions incorrectly, I think that reflects well on us. Wow. <laughs> I like that takeaway. <laughs> so before we let you go, this is sort of a hit and miss thing when we ask people to do something like this. But we would like you to please describe what you love the most about your partner in only three words. So it can be three adjectives or it can be three words to make a phrase, but you only get three words. Can I do it in two? Yes. Wow. Wow. Overachiever, I love it. Deeply empathic. Deeply empathic. Mm. I love that. I trust Michael. I feel like we need something even more than an awe at this point. Another round of applause. Yeah. We fight like cats and dogs. (laughs) I want you to know that too. (laughs) I know. We're like both sitting here, sort of. Yeah. That's a good day. Warm hearted. That's a good day. So that is our super sweet 
Valentine's show. I want to thank our five couples for spending time with us in the studio over the last couple of months. And before we go, I want to share, uh, after recording with Roseanne and Michael, Roseanne had sent an email saying that the show cracked open secret places for them and that the good vibes still lingered and that it felt like a honeymoon. And Roseanne and I then had lunch a couple of weeks later, and she said in our discussion, it really did sort of help them say things to each other that they just didn't realize that they hadn't said before. And then after Barca and Floyd listened to their show, Barca had said that it made them stop and think about their relationship and what they bring to the table for one another, and that it was something they had taken for granted, so that it was good that they had taken the time to walk down the past together. And the next thing I'm going to say, I'm not saying it to pat myself on the back, (laughs) but uh, I'm going to tell you what they both said. They also said that Ben and I are very good at welcoming that conversation. And that is what I feel lucky like that I get to do (laughs) in my work. That's all I do. I'm an interviewer more than a writer. And I think especially now as the world is sort of topsy-turvy for everybody, and I know for me with trying to figure out what's going on with my health and what's going on with love and what's going on with this sort of conflict we're seeing everywhere. Just inviting conversation. These were obviously rather tame conversations comparatively to the conversations many people are having, but inviting conversation is just really a beautiful thing. And so I'm just very thankful that people have these conversations with me. And so that's what you're going to hear from Love Bites down the line, is what I'm getting at. Ben and I are switching up the show a little bit. We're taking next week off. It's President's Day. We're going to give you one more recorded clip. And then we are back together on the 27th. Finally, Ben will be home and we will be together. We are starting our next series, which is on endings, but uh, not just romantic endings. We do have uh, The Optimist's Guide to Divorce, a book on sale now, written by Suzanne Riss and Jill Sockwell. They are coming on, but they are talking about their friendship while they were going through divorce and starting their Divorced Women's Club, what eventually led to their book. So we're talking about friendship and the unique experiences they had as human beings while their marriages were ending. After that, we've got another author coming on talking about letting go of the stories that she captured and the experiences she had as she was writing the book and sort of giving it out to the world. So the ending and the wrapping up of sort of your past as you are professionally giving it up to the future. We're going to have chefs coming on to talk about what their lives were like as their restaurants were closing and they didn't want their restaurants to be closing. And we will have shows about romantic endings specifically as well. But instead of having Ben and I talk about our lives and then interviewing guests about very specific things. We're just sort of going to be having more of these open conversations about what were your experiences like. And that's what Love Bites is going to be in the future. So we hope that you'll come back with us on the 27th. We will be back together. Thank you so much for listening today. Until then, thanks as always to our engineers, David and Vitter. Our theme song is Give Love by the loveliest Josh Dion. I am your host, Jacqueline Raposo. Love Bites will be back in two weeks right here at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Young and old, look for love.